we believe that there will be a resurrection of the dead. That just simply means we believe that the grave is not our final resting spot. We believe that the grave and that burial is not the end. But it says we believe that there is a resurrection of the dead. We not only believe that the dead will arise, but we also believe that Christ rose as well. And that Jesus Christ is the first fruits of those that will arise. So it says, we believe that there will be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. Now we understand through the previous articles that we've read here that we're just not by our own works of righteousness, but by the grace of Almighty God. We're justified by the blood of Jesus Christ and that he paid the price for our sins. But he says, we believe that there will be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust, and that the happiness of the righteous and the punishment of the wicked will be eternal. What's it saying? It says, we believe that there's a heaven. We sing about it. The song that Brother Cook called out, the song that we sang, the last hymn, what a day that will be. We we sing about heaven. We, We think about heaven. We think of those that we've loved that have gone on to be in heaven that are in the presence of the Lord. And then we get weary in this life. We get discouraged in this life. And we do say that heaven, Jerusalem, is our long sought home. Oh, how I long for thee. Brother Brother Al Perry used to call out often, what a day that will be. And when they called and told us that Brother Al had passed away, the first thing I thought about is he's finally experiencing what he always wanted to sing about. What a day that will be. I thought about it first, maybe trying to trying to blend the last two articles together. And then I thought, you know, if we're going to be spending eternity in heaven, it's certainly worthy of one message. In fact, probably more than one message, rightly so. But but we'll look at. This article and this one alone this morning. We believe that there will be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust, and that the happiness of the righteous and the punishment of the wicked will both be eternal. Basically says we believe that there's a heaven. We believe that there's a hell. We believe there's going to be people in both. I remember some folks down south where I grew up in Texas. They believed that there was hell. They just didn't believe anybody was going to be there. Well, what we understand the scriptures to teach is that there is going to be some folks in hell. And if it wasn't, but for the grace of almighty God, that's exactly where we would be as well. But that the devil and his angels will be in hell. I have to tell you that, and I'm thankful that I'm not the one in charge of of determining who's in heaven and who's not. But I have to believe based on the scriptures that there's a lot more in the family of God that's in heaven than there is in hell. When you look at the scriptures, it talks about the devil and his angels. It talks about it indicates that there's a uh, not a, a vast number in hell. But when you refer to heaven, it refers to it as the stars of the sky. In fact, you can talk to Sister Peggy and Sister Caroline. One of the things that they wanted to see when they took a trip down south last week to Texas is they wanted to see the big sky down there. I said, what do you mean? It's the same sky that we see here. They said, we want to see that vast number of stars that are in the sky. And I think Brother Mike had promised to take them out where they could see that. Did you know that that's a representation of those that are in heaven? Or the sands of the sea. 
Well, I believe what he's saying right there is you can't number them. It's a vast number. It's a lot of folks that's going to be in heaven. What a day that will be. So let's run over and look at what the Apostle Paul has to say about the resurrection. Let's run over and look at what the Apostle Paul has to say about Jesus Christ arising from the grave. Let's go over and look at what Paul tells us about how that we likewise will be raised and we're going to be changed. I don't know about you, but I know enough about myself to know that I'm glad there's a change coming. I am. I'm glad that there's a change. I'm glad that physically there's going to be a change. It's, it's going to be... Anybody here have an iPhone that you, uh, you, uh, you go to take a picture and somehow you push the wrong button and it, uh, it does like a selfie? And you look at yourself in the picture and you think, oh my goodness, is that really me? It, it shows all your imperfections very clearly. Or it does mine, maybe not yours. It's discouraging. Well, I have to tell you, I'm looking forward to that change coming. When that change comes, I'm not going to worry about selfies at all. I'm not. I don't go around doing too many selfies now. I just don't. I got a new phone and I can't even hardly take a picture with it. So much less a selfie. I couldn't figure out how to turn the ringer off and the dinger off when you get text messages. So I asked Brother Danny, just show me how to turn the phone off. And so it's off right now. Let's go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and let's look at... What Paul tells us, because it's wonderful, this great message that the Apostle Paul is telling us right here. He says, moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you and which ye also have received wherein ye stand. What we're delivering to you this morning is not something that's new. It's not something you're going to hear the first time. No doubt you've heard it before, but you're going to rejoice in it again if the Lord is in the matter and if the Lord blesses. And he says, by which ye also, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I have preached unto you. Now, I don't think that it takes a lot of explanation to realize that he's not saying right here that if we forget, we're going to lose our salvation. You can go over into Timothy and it tells us that uh, a woman is saved in childbearing. That doesn't mean that she's saved eternally speaking in childbearing, nor does it mean right here that you're saved if you keep in memory the Lord. I'm around a whole lot of people that have memory problems that, uh, uh, that, and, and I realize that sometimes my mind slips out of gear occasionally. And I would be really discouraged if I thought that my salvation hinged on my memory of my salvation or my memory of anything for that matter. My salvation, your salvation doesn't depend on our memory, but there is a deliverance in remembering what Christ has done for you. There is a deliverance in knowing the things that God has revealed to you and what a blessing it is. And I want to give you a little bit of a side note right there that if you've learned these things, if God has blessed them to, 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 for you to rejoice in it through the years, if God has written it in your heart, that even when your memory fails, when the outward man fails, you still have it on the inside. Now, we witnessed that. We went to that assisted living where Sister Larry was. And those dear folks, when we began to sing those old songs, 
I mean, they just came out of their shell rejoicing in the Lord. It was a blessing. It was a blessing for us. And I believe it was for them as well. That's because God writes it in your heart and in your mind. But if you are able to remember it, that's a blessing for you. He says, by which ye are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. And then Paul says, he basically is starting, a, he's building a case right here. He says, there's some folks, maybe even some that, that have uh, claimed to be Christians or embraced that, but they have, uh, they, they don't really have the blessing of understanding that Jesus Christ arose from the dead. And Paul says, I want to explain and remind you of this. I want to remind you that Jesus Christ arose from the dead and that that is your hope as well. Our article said that's one of the principal articles that our our church stands on right here at Mount Carmel is that the dead are going to be raised, that Jesus Christ arose, and that we have a hope of living with the Lord in heaven someday. Paul says, for I delivered unto you, first of all, that which also I received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day. He says, I'm declaring, I'm reminding, I'm bringing to you the message. I'm building the picture right here. I'm painting the picture to remind you that all that we believe, that all that we embrace must depend upon Jesus Christ rising from the grave. And he says, I declare unto you again, I come to you again and I declare unto you again the age old message, how that Jesus Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. That Jesus Christ was the sacrifice, was the lamb that was slain for our sins. And he said, I'm coming to you again. And I want to remind you that Jesus died for your sins. And he says, and I'm coming to you again to tell you and remind you that Jesus Christ was buried in the grave. But he says, I also want to remind you that Jesus Christ on the third day. That on the third day, as Christ had foretold himself, you can go over into Matthew chapter 12, verse 40, where it says, for as as Jonas was in the belly three days, so also the son of man will be three days and three nights in uh, in the heart of the earth. Jesus Christ himself prophesied that he would arise again. And Jesus Christ fulfilled what was prophesied. He says right here, Paul is saying, I'm telling you again that Christ uh, bore your sins, that Christ was buried. But he says, I'm also telling you right here that Jesus Christ arose on the third day. And then he begins to prove it to us. Now, Brother Phil, Brother Ben, I expect in your profession that one of the greatest Uh, uh, the, the greatest benefits of being able to prove something is if you have an eyewitness. I mean, a valid eyewitness. And so the Apostle Paul comes on and he says, I'm going to prove to you that Jesus Christ arose because I'm going to quote and I'm going to give you some eyewitnesses accounts of Jesus Christ arising. It's not just hearsay. It's not only prophecy. It's not only something that was prophesied in the Old Testament, but he says, we have proof that Jesus Christ arose from the grave. And he said, I'm going to remind you of some eyewitnesses. 
Here he says. He says, first of all, he was seen of Cephas. He was seen of Peter. Before that, he was actually seen of Mary Magdalene. That Mary was, uh, uh, saw that Christ had arisen. But he says he was seen of Peter. And then it, he says he was seen of the twelve. And, and you, can, you can go over into uh, John's account. You can, you can read the account where uh, Jesus Christ revealed himself not only to Mary Magdalene, not only to Peter, but Jesus Christ revealed himself to his disciples. Judas was not there, but he was one of the, one of the twelve that he was, when it says the disciples. But then if you remember, he revealed himself to the disciples and, and Thomas was not there. And when they gave Thomas the report, they said, Thomas, the Christ has arisen. Jesus Christ has arose. And Thomas said, Thomas, who was one of the disciples, said, I'll not, I'll not believe it unless I see the nail prints in his hand. And I can touch the wounds of his side. I'll not believe that Jesus Christ arose. And then Christ reveals himself to Thomas. Do you know Thomas didn't, when Christ revealed himself to him, Thomas didn't have to go touch the nail prints. He didn't have to touch his side when the Lord revealed himself to Thomas. He said he was seen of Peter. He was seen of the twelve. He was seen of above 500. You can go over into Acts chapter 1 and it talks about how that Christ had, uh, had revealed that he would uh, reveal himself in Galilee after he had arisen. And then he reveals himself uh, in Acts chapter 1. Uh, it, 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 he reveals himself and it says it was about 120 that were there. So Christ is revealing himself to some eyewitness accounts. And Paul says, he says, many of them, he says, many of the eyewitness accounts, he says, some of them have fallen asleep, some have passed away, but he says, many of them are still present. But he said, some are fallen asleep. Then he says, after that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. And Paul says, and, and I think this is interesting how Paul says this right here. And he says, last of all, he was seen of me as one born out of due time. Now, I do understand that Christ in some fashion revealed himself to Paul when he was called up into the third heaven. And he said, I saw things that are not lawful to utter. I saw things that I can't. And he says, he says, whether in the body or out of the body, you, you might want to you might want to settle your position on that. But Paul says, I don't even know. I don't know if I was in the body. I don't know if this was an in the body experience or an out of the body experience. He said, all I know is that I saw some glorious things. He says, I'm convinced. That the Lord Jesus Christ arose from the grave. Why is it so important that Christ arose from the grave? Because if Christ did not rise from the grave, then we're yet in our sins. If Christ did not rise from the grave, then we don't have any hope of the resurrection. Because Jesus Christ is the first fruit. So if you could go to the tomb and the remains of Christ were still there. Then we would be in a pretty hopeless condition. 
Let's go on down. This is really, really good. And I really want to get to the last part. There's a lot of verses here, but we're going to try to plow through and, and especially get to the last part. Such a great chapter right here. I, I just want to tell you, I, I, go home and read the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians. If you don't have a Bible, I expect everybody does. We'll either get you one or you can, you can Google it and read it. It'll be a blessing to you. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It's about the resurrection. It's so good. It's, it's rich. Then Paul says, For I am the least of the apostles that am not meet to be called an apostle. Because Paul says, I persecuted the church. I persecuted the people of God. I persecuted the church. But he says something else. He mentions it twice right here. He says, but the grace of God, he says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Now, that's something that every single one of us could embrace and and claim for ourselves. It's by the grace of God that I am what I am. You're here today. And you're where you are by God's amazing grace. Paul says it's by God's grace. He said, God has given me these examples. But he says, it's by God's grace because he says, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle of the Lord. Because he said, in my past life, he says, I persecuted the Christians. I persecuted the church of God. You may be uh, thinking in your own life, if you travel back in your past life, you may be critical of that as well. And you may uh, feel the same experience as the Apostle Paul, but you're not where you are based on your past life. You're where you are based on the grace of God, the same that the Apostle Paul said right here. But he went on and he said something else. He says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And he says, and his grace. Now, now, really, this is for all of us. This is not only for ministers of the gospel. This is not only for the deacons. This is not only for the young men. This is for the young women. This is for everybody right here. Paul says, it's by the grace of God that I am what I am. And he says, and his grace was bestowed upon me, not in vain. What's he saying right there? I believe what he's saying right here, it's that if I have any light, if I have any understanding, if I have any direction, if I have any uh, uh, clear path to go, then I'm going to give it all that I can. But it's still by God's grace. It's by God's grace that I have any understanding. Brother Compton used to say it's the Lord that gives us the desire. And it's the Lord that gives us the ability. So you have to give the Lord all the credit for it. He says right here. He says the Lord. It's by the grace that which was bestowed upon me. Was not in vain. I also think that it means that his grace is effective every single time. We're not always effective. But his grace is always effective. He says, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Paul is saying right here that I believe what what he's saying right here is that he took serious that the Lord had dealt with him. He took serious that the Lord had given him light. He took serious that the Lord had changed his life. And he took serious that he wanted to serve the Lord and spend and be spent the rest of his life. That that was his greatest desire and his greatest aim. Paul said in Philippians chapter 1, he says, I desire that my Lord be magnified, whether it's by my life or by my death. I want to serve the Lord. 
And I think that's what Paul's saying right here. He's not saying he was perfect. He's not saying he made every, every decision just right. He's not saying that he chose the right path all the time. But he said, by and large, I'm set on a path to serve the Lord. And he says, it's because of the work that the Lord's put in my heart to do. You can go fast forward to Paul near the end of his life. And he says that he's fought a good fight, that he's kept the faith, that he's finished his course. And he's now ready to be offered unto the Lord. Paul said, I serve the Lord to the best light, the best understanding, the best ability that I had. But then he comes down and he says this again. He says, first of all, it's by God's grace that I'm even able to know it. I'm even able to do it. And then he says, but I tried to be faithful and walk as much as I could in the light that I'd been given. But then he says, by the way, I just want to remind you. I like how he, he starts out and then he finishes up. He sandwiches right in the middle that he has a desire to serve the Lord. He has a desire to be spent in the service of the Lord. But then he comes down and he says, oh, by the way, in case you think it's me that's wanting to do all that. He says, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Starts out that it's grace. It ends up that it's grace all throughout. It's by the grace of almighty God. Paul says, therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach and so ye believed. Now, if Christ, if Christ be if, if Christ be preached that he rose from the grave, how is there some say among you that there be no resurrection of the dead? You know, I, I know I'm, I'm probably strange in a whole lot of ways, but I have to tell you, I count it a great blessing to be able to go to a funeral service. And, and uh, it's a great blessing for me to be able to encourage the Lord's people because it's a delight to be able to re- remind them that our loved ones and ourselves are going to go and be with the Lord in heaven because of what Jesus Christ has done. I'll never forget uh, Brother Mark, uh, Brother Jess's daughter, uh, Jenny Lynn. And when he died, she said, I need to talk to you. She said, just, just tell me what you know about. Where is dad's spirit now? She said, tell me what little, what, what little bit you can about heaven. And, you know, it's a great delight to be able to share with the Lord's people about where the Lord has taken us. Well, Paul is saying to these folks, he says, folks, if you do not embrace that Christ has risen, you're missing the mark. He says, I want to remind you that there were witnesses that Christ arose He says, but if there be no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ be not risen, he says, then is your preaching vain. And he says, by the way, your faith is vain also. So Paul is saying right here that if Christ did not rise, then our preaching is vain. Our faith is vain. Uh, We have no basis if Christ did not rise from the grave. He says, yea, and we are found false witnesses of God. Because we've testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up. If so be that the dead rise not. And then he says this. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. Paul is saying right here that if there be no resurrection of the dead, 
then Christ rose not. And he says, if there be no resurrection of Christ, the dead will not rise. He says, and if Christ be not raised, he says, then your faith is vain. And he says, and I'm going to tell you something else that's even worse than that. He says, not only is your hope vain, not only is your faith vain, but he says, if Christ be not risen, then the greatest thing that we dread of all is that we're still in our sins. Now, that's pretty bad. If Christ be not risen from the grave, then we're yet in our sins. That's what Paul said. So look at what he says. He says, for if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. He, then he says, they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. And then he says, and, and, and this sort of perplexed me. I hope I have a clear understanding of this. You may have a better understanding, and I, I, I defer if you do, but this is my understanding. He says, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Now, you may easily have that figured out, and I'm real thankful you do. But I'll tell you what I think it means. He says, if in this life only. Do you know there's a lot of folks that will tell you that they believe that Christ is a good man. They believe that Christ sets some really good examples. They believe that Christ sets some great examples for us to live by. And that if we follow his principles, then we'll get through life a whole lot better. We'll be a better person. We'll be a better neighbor. If we'll embrace the principles of Christ or believe that he's a good man. But he says, if we believe in, he says right here, he says, if in this life we have hope in Christ only, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. You don't have the joy of your salvation if you don't have the joy of Christ. Now I have to tell you, and I want to plug this in right here. That I believe that the Lord has a people out of every nation, kindred, tongue. I don't believe it's isolated to the primitive Baptist. I don't believe it's isolated to the United States. I don't believe it's isolated to the, the Christian religion as a whole. I believe that the Lord has a people out of every nation, kindred, and tongue. And I believe that the Lord writes his laws in Hebrews chapter 8. He says that he writes his laws in our mind and in our heart. And he says that he will be our God and we shall be his people. And I believe that even if we can't say it audibly, the name of Christ, that it's dwelling on the inside. But he says right here that if we only believe that Christ is a good man... We're missing a great... This is what Paul says. He said, we're of all men most miserable. I meet a lot of miserable folks. Sometimes I'm kind of miserable. I don't know about you, but I, I try not to be. And I try not to be miserable around you. If I'm going to be miserable, I want to be miserable by myself. Some folks like you to experience their misery. But I'll tell you what. I'm not miserable because I don't believe in Christ and that Jesus Christ arose. Usually I'm miserable because I get real discouraged about self. Not you, not others, about myself. Self really can cause a whole lot of misery. Maybe not yourself, but myself does. But I tell you what, I would be miserable if I didn't have Christ. If I didn't know that Christ arose from the grave. He says we're of all men most miserable. Well, he says, but that's not my phone. 
But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept? He says, for since by man came death, talking about Adam, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Paul continues on down and he says that Jesus Christ destroyed all enemies, Satan himself, all the enemies. And he says the last enemy that he'll destroy is death itself. Now, I'm going to fast forward because we're just about out of time. But I want to want to really touch on the last few chapters, the last few verses of this book. It's so good. Paul says, he says, not only did Jesus Christ rise from the tomb, not only did Jesus Christ rise. Uh, it, it dwell is he dwelling in heaven, but he says he is the forerunner of you and I. And he says that when we pass from this life, he says this body he talks about in uh, let's go on down to say verse 42. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption, but it is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, but it's raised in power. It is sown a natural body, but it's raised a spiritual body. Paul says that when we pass from this life, we're going to lay this body down, preferably in the grave. Uh, we're going to lay this body uh, down in the ground. And he says this old sinful body that's laid in the ground, that when God comes back, our spirit right then is going to go on and be with the Lord. That as soon as we pass from this life, before we're actually buried, our spirit goes to be with the Lord who gave it. But he says there's coming a day. And the songwriter says what a day that will be. He says there's coming a day when the Lord is going to come back with a shout and a voice of the archangel. And it says the trump of God shall sound. And it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, he says, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then he says, then we which are alive and remain will be called up together. And he so says, so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now, I'll tell you what, I get excited about that. I'm looking forward to it. I really am. It'd just suit me fine if it happened today. I've got a plane to catch this afternoon, but I, 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 it'd just suit me fine to miss that flight. Because all these folks I'm going to see, I hope I'll see them up there. And it just sure would save a whole lot. But did you know that when we get to heaven, when we get to heaven, all those thoughts we have that are not in line with the Lord, not going to have those anymore. I don't know about you, but did you know that sometimes Satan works on you the hardest when you're getting ready and going to church? You need to allow an extra fudge factor, an extra amount of time. Didn't he, Brother Phil, yesterday? Brother Phil shared it with us. But when he got to church, it was well worth it, wasn't it? A great blessing. The Lord works on us that way. He does. But did you know that when we're raised, we're going to be changed? Satan is not going to have any influence over us. He's not. He says we're going to be changed. Now, let's get the last part. By the way, go over and read Revelation chapter 20, uh, chapter uh, 20. Don't stay real long in 20 because it talks about hell and eternal punishment. But then get to 21 and 22 and it talks about heaven. You're going to love it. It's really, really good. It's really good. But here's how Paul says it right here. 
He says, behold, I show you a mystery. Luke, do you like mystery shows? Well, here's a mystery that Paul gives you the answer right here. He says, I show you a mystery. It's it's confusing about how could this be? He says, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. He says, in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and shall be changed. For this corruptible, this natural body, this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. That's the mystery. How can how can that be? He says, he says, so when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, oh, death is swallowed up in victory. And then I love the next few verses right here. Paul says, here's the answer to the riddle. Here's the answer to the mystery. He says, oh, death, where is thy sting? Jesus Christ paid the price not only for your sins, but he destroyed the last enemy. And that last enemy is even death itself. He says, oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? Sometimes Satan would convince you that he is victorious when our loved ones die, that he's won the battle. But Jesus Christ tells us right here. He says, oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? He says the sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law but Paul just steps back and he declares unto you he says here's the answer to the mystery here is the answer to the riddle right here he says thanks be to God which giveth us that's you and I the victory through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ boy I'm thankful that our forefathers embraced that we believe in the resurrection of the dead both of the just and the unjust. I'm thankful that our forefathers embraced Brother Phil, your grandfather, and those folks that were faithful to establish these old articles of faith that, that proclaimed that we believed in heaven and we believe there's going to be a people there. And by God's grace, it's going to be you and I. It is. He says, but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He says, as a result, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast. Don't be wavering. Be steadfast. Be unmovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. For you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. A lot of things I might do, a lot of things that you might do that end up that we're doing them in vain. Maybe we're doing them for our own pleasure, our own satisfaction. It's okay to have pleasure it's okay to have satisfaction but he says your labor in serving the lord is not in vain and he says you serve the lord you remember he tells these folks at corinth that jesus christ arose from the grave and he says that's the basis that you have that you're going to rise from the grave as well and that's the basis that your loved ones yet the other day I, I i tried from my memory and i'm sure that i probably missed some but i tried to write down as many as I can remember of the, the, the dear saints that we've known here at Mount Carmel that have gone on to be with the Lord. Do you know it's over a hundred that, that, that have gone to be with the Lord that we've had right here in our congregation? Did you know we're going to see them again because of the resurrection of Christ 
they're going to arise as well. And he says, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's eternity right there. That's from here on out. I don't know about you, but that's good news to me. And I kind of believe it is to you as well. If I didn't present it correctly, forgive me of my mannerisms or uh, the delivery. But you go feast on the content. You go read it. You go study it out. You'll get real excited about it. Because it's talking about where you're going to end up. It is. May God bless you. We're glad you've been able to listen to this special podcast. We invite you to come and worship with us on a Sunday morning. Our services begin with hymn singing at 10.30 a.m. Mount Carmel Primitive Baptist Church is located at 1707 Churchville Road in Bel Air, Maryland. If you've enjoyed this message, we invite you to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or in your favorite podcast application.